0: Welcome to the Turquoise Coconut Podcast. In episode 17, we are talking
1: to pianist, composer, author and educator Ron Blake.
0: Turquoise Coconut podcast. It's a real privilege and pleasure to be speaking with composer, performer, educator and author Ran Blake from Boston. Is that right? Are you in Boston at the moment, Ran? Well, technically in a little town outside
1: at Brookline. Okay. But it's we're right in the beautiful Boston area.
0: That sounds lovely. I've always wanted to go. People tell me lots of amazing things
1: about that part of the it's world. A fabulous city, a wonderful symphony orchestra, the Red Sox baseball, the Patriots, uh, hockey, and then the New England Conservatory of Music, the oldest conservatory in the United States.
0: Well, let me preface this conversation just by saying that there are very few musicians whose ideas have had such an impact on my own ideas about music and my own practice. Ever since I read your book, Primacy of the Ear, there must be about eight years ago now. It's really changed the way I try to... How did you up.
1: find out about it? Because I don't think we did much publicity in England.
0: It was it was through related purchases on Amazon. Ah, I see. Yeah. And I, I read some of the reviews and people were talking in glowing praise about it. So I picked it I up. I hope I can add a
1: chapter two, but life goes on and I'm now engaged in a book on films...
0: I wanted to ask you about that because I noticed on your website there were the rumours of a new book that you were working on. Can you
1: say any more about that? It's called Storyboarding Noir. Storyboarding, I've been doing all my life, although I had no word for it. And that's used by Hitchcock, particularly with Truffaut Chabrol interviewing Hitchcock. And I can't even draw enough to make a cartoon or all that, and I don't Always signal it out. I don't write it out in the music, but I have a plan. I always work out some things when I'm performing and I'm comfortable when playing alone, and then suddenly I lose control of the plot. However, back to the book, I've chosen 30 to 35 films that there are a few famous ones like Vertigo and Laura, but I've tried to pick some. That are not that well known. I think very much of, I think so highly of Claude Chabrol from France, their Boucher, Merci pour le Chocolat, Rupture. And uh, I like one from your country, well, from Wales, uh, Tiger Bay. I don't know if you know that before. I'm afraid not. Uh, This is very intriguing, and I'm working a book with a wonderful, astute gentleman called Gardner Hartman. So that probably will take us for the summer to to finish up, and then we have to search for a publisher.
0: I very much look forward to reading it when it does appear. I know that you've got a a very long-standing love of film noir. Very much so. It's, It's quite alien to me. Um, I must admit, but I did go and watch Spiral Staircase.
1: How did you like it? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. There are two or three hokey scenes with Blanche and Stephen, the little soap opera, but uh, to me, the tension and the photography, even if the dialogue's a little bit tight, although Ether Barrymore was pretty formidable as the older lady of the house. Yes. But it's it's dated. It's 1946.
0: It's still magic, though. It's it's interesting to see how things have changed. And yes, it is. The thing that most strikes me about watching older cinema is how, in some ways, how much less happens. At least on the surface, how yes, how these days things happen. You know, we have a scene change every
1: oh one minute, and you do. It's exhausting. <laughs> That's the word for it.
0: Yes, but I did enjoy that, and I can certainly hear how the, the atmosphere of of that style of cinema has has seeped into your, your conception of music as well. Let's go back a few a few years, well, actually to around around that time of Spiral Staircase. How did you get interested in music in, in the very first place? Where did the piano come from, for
1: example? Well, my parents had two, three uprights in the house. They felt that a lot of the families around them, children had piano lessons than I did. I think I was playing piano before a lesson And hearing something like the Greek piano concerto, Rotmaninoff, and I impressed my parents and neighbors later on as I heard Prokofiev's Scythian Suite. uh, My parents and relatives were considerably less impressed. In fact, there were uh, moments where they kept, they thought they'd lock the piano up, or it really bothered them that I was making all these mistakes, what they called, and my uncle and aunt and grandparents never wanted me to play again. I mean, there would be an obligatory thing, play one thing on a holiday, and I really loved the 20th century music, the type of rite of spring, Debussy, French oppressionism, and early American gospel, spiritual, Mahalia Jackson, the blues, Less so the, I love bebop now, I wish I could play it, but less so whatever it was called, jazz. And then, of course, I really kept listening to singers such as Billie Holiday, Chris Connor, Abby Lincoln, Gene Lee, so many, Whitney Houston's Marvelous, Ray Charles, Al Green. Do you like Al Green? I don't know much Al
0: Green, actually.
1: He's wonderful.
0: Uh, I will... Make that a part of my um, future list. There's
1: a wonderful piece out called Judy.
0: You definitely introduced me to at least a couple Chris Connor and Abby Lincoln, I didn't really know before I read your book.
1: Do you have any favorite pieces of either?
0: I really love Chris Connor. I f- might forget the name. It's Moon, Moon Ray.
1: Yes, that's very fun, isn't it? And then her early Atlantic with Billy Strayhorn, Something to Live For, and uh, When the Wind is Green. And the uh, thrill is gone from Bethlehem. And, and on Abby, the very record she made before she died, and the one with uh, Max Roach, Julian Priester, Mal Waldron, Straight Ahead, and her work with Max Roach, Freedom Now, sweet, powerful stuff.
0: Absolutely. I know Straight Ahead from a record with Gene uh, Lee and Mal Waldron. They did a duo record. Oh,
1: that's wonderful. Mal was my teacher, and of course, he wrote it. And while I was studying with him, I was a waiter at the Jazz Gallery in Manhattan. And for six weeks, they kept Mac Roach and Abby Lincoln at the club, and they did the equivalent of two LPs every night the Straight Ahead Repertoire, which is African Lady, Blue Monk, and then the Freedom Now Suite with Freedom Day, Drive a Man. A year before, I was visiting a studio when Abbey Lincoln recorded Blue Monk, and I never forgot the way Thelonious Monk got up and hugged her. He was wild about her words. Amazing. Many memories of the old days. You knew the Monk family as well? I had hoped to study with him, and there was a, a fire, and I began to just purchase food and did things, and... A wonderful person from your country, Nika de Rothschild, would send me money. And it was really just getting to be with the family five or six weeks, but our friendship endured over the years. It meant so much to me.
0: Was Thelonious around a lot at the time?
1: Yes. And, of course, the piano had burned. Three four years later, he really got to be... Way better known, oh, uh, he was going to be in the cover of Time magazine, and the story was postponed because JFK was assassinated in Dallas. And but it was very exciting, and Barbara was very involved in getting a street in New York called Thurlowesbank M- 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 Boulevard. How sad that she died as a very young lady. I often write pieces about people like for Barbara the short life, for uh, Martin Luther King, Memphis. So these are memories that I that endure today when I'm playing music and when I'm dreaming.
0: I've been listening to a lot of your music for the last week or two, and uh, Mm -hmm. the one on the CD player today has been Short Life of Barbara Monk with the quartet.
1: Well, Ricky Ford is wonderful, John Zila. Yes. It was a great group. I'd love to have another quartet. I was just speaking to Aaron Hartley about this, my manager.
0: The sound of that record is brilliant. The one thing I really love is the sound of the drums and the way John plays on that record. It's something really beautiful.
1: It was performed around Boston, but the the company that released it was from Milano Soul Note, and they all they're they're not stingy on getting engineers and founders are still alive, but this type of music is not selling very well. Just coming back to Monk,
0: one of the things that I think connects you and he, you and him, is your willingness or your unwillingness to compromise in your musical vision like you said he he spent much of his time facing a real lack of interest or or actual um aggressive disinterest because his ideas weren't <laughs> quite in line with the the music of the time yeah you've always been very uncompromising your music is very is completely singular i think whether people love it or don't understand it you can't fault it for having such a clear strong voice thank you you seem to me, in, in an artistic respect, very much soulmates.
1: He's my favourite.
0: Sorry, he is your favourite pianist.
1: Yes. I also love Bud Powell, Ray Charles. There are many. But I really listen to singers. I think it's my favourite instrument. Piano, my third favourite instrument. Do you want to guess what my second favourite instrument is? Um, I don't have any it's idea. The it's the orchestra. Okay. It's the sounds of orchestra whether it's Stan Kenton, who released four great albums, and then Years of Trash, or those three 4 innovations, the early one and the progressive jazz, and then, of course, Duke, Billy Strayhorn, the colors that come, the colors that come with Hanega's Fifth Symphony, Afternoon of the Fawn by Debussy, Charles I Symphony Number no. 4, those rich colors, the brass, the strings, There's nothing like it.
0: And you had a very long-standing relationship with Gunther Schuller, who, of course, an orchestrator and composer and all over the place in terms of his musical output.
1: Amazing, his Feast for Marjorie Schuller, memories, reminiscences, and all his string quartets, and his great interest in jazz and ragtime. And I met him when... Sweeping the Four Floors at Atlantic Records in 1958. I got a little job there for a while, and he then brought me to New England Conservatory of Music, and I studied quite intensely with them. but as the years went by, I was lucky if I had three lessons a year. But I would say I really studied with him from 20 to 50 years of age. I think I played one of his works.
0: Oh, did you? Something along the lines of, Each was a portrait of a work by Paul Clay. Paul Clay. Yeah. Yes.
1: Do you mean play on radio or are you a musician? What what is your instrument?
0: I'm a violinist, and I played it in in an orchestra in London.
1: I love violin.
0: Oh, great! Me too. (laughs) You've got such an an unusual pedagogical approach in terms of everything from the ears and and repetitive and really really getting music and ideas in your bones as opposed to superficial understanding, really about forming style through through exposure and, and exploration, and et cetera, et cetera, When did these ideas start to coalesce? Did you always take this approach?
1: I wasn't athletic as a kid. Probably I had dyslexia reading music, although I got to a primitive level, but there were no... DVDs, videos then, or I would have also been seeing films at home, but I just would play records over and over on my Victrola, where, you know, the East Side Blues by Louis Armstrong, you would get to really cherish a one-minute solo. Just the colors, and then the LPs, Charles Mingus, such important stuff and getting to know the repertoire. I don't know how I would do it now. There's so much on the internet. I have there's so much to listen to, but it just, it, I didn't try to force it. It came along with my memories of life events. And of course, immediately, Bunk appealed to me. And Chris Connor is the, one part of the Stenton Stan Kenton's thing that I began to cherish later. She could be uneven as a performer, but she reached special heights. And then there was Dinah Washington, who won't get around. And then Abby's emotional distress, uh, things are unpleasant. Then Sarah Vaughan, not just the range, but the color of her voice. And to me, her masterpiece is a piece called Pinky, from 1950, 1949 on Columbia, from a very special film called Pinky. There are no words, and you hear the luxury of her voice. So just wanting to go and listen uh, Ray Charles Greenback, Dollar Bills, The Rhythm and Blues, Ruth Brown. There's so much to listen to. I would just rush home from school and be in my room all the time with my record collection. It just became sacred. I think there's so much to listen to with music from asia all forms of africa europe is just one important element of uh, north america the beauties of south american music and there are films from all over my god how would i ever catch up if i were 12 years old and wanted to be a film director i mean there's Twenty-five important movies just in a ten-year period in Australia. There's so much to the film of China, Korea, Japan, India. I don't even begin to know what's coming out of Africa. Tor Nielsen from Argentina, Luz Bunuel when he was in Mexico before returning to France and Spain. And you have all the musical Smorgasburg and I guess I never became great in bebop or doing Beethoven and I kept hearing strange sounds and Gunther felt I was original. I I needed, he was a hell of a pusher. He really told me the importance of brevity, composition, emotion, and to screen out stuff and to be not afraid of silence. He would have my hands sometimes arranged and said, you don't need verbiage. We broadened the definition of third stream to include ethnic music from over the world. We started our department in 1972 in Boston. And now we sort of call it streaming. Like Mingus has the gospel background, the anger against people like Faubus, racist white crackers. And then he has a very keen instrument interest in some of the dissonance of Europe and America and by 1954 his music was Mingus. Uh, but he really came from church, anger, blues, and uh, shifting tonalities. George Russell would be another important figure who uh, has some fame as the author of Lydian concept. But, of course, his music is even greater. How he got his sounds, just amazing.
0: On the topic of NEC, uh, New England Conservatory, and the what was originally the Third Stream Department, I think, is it now called the Contemporary Improvisation Department? Yes,
1: I hope sometime it will be called Contemporary, so it will include more composition. Okay. Yes, we changed the name about 2000.
0: I... Saw the concert from, I think it was March, was it? Your 85th year celebration concert.
1: Yes. I'm glad you watched that. It was available. And I had nice interviews with Hankus Netsky. And maybe you caught the one with Robin Kelly, who who released the, the best, wonderful biography on Thelonious Monk. I think it matches one. Brian Priestley's wonderful one from Mingus.
0: The concert was... Really amazing and and a really brilliant demonstration of of the ethos that I think you and your colleagues brought to that brought to that department in terms of everybody's doing such different things, but they all have such strong voices, such colourful ways of performing.
1: Yeah, they really do.
0: Can we talk a bit about your duo, your partnership with Jean Lee?
1: Ah, uh, and so sadly that came in the year of two thousand. It was over. We met at Bard College. We made a couple of house recordings. I felt I knew music well, but she introduced me to more fab, a lot more really repertoire—Billy holiday, more Ray Charles, and her father was a concert, a baritone singer, and her mother quite a dancer. Madeline Lee formed a group called Over 70. You had to be more than 70 years old to join this group. And Jean spent her life listening to music from church to dances. Perhaps you'd like to ask me a specific question about what we've done or a piece. Or...
0: Yeah, I have a couple of questions, actually. The first one is is rather boring and Purely technical, but can you tell me, did Jean Lee have perfect pitch? Because she sings some a cappella tunes and her pitch is so pianistic the entire way through that it
1: blows me away. I really can't. I think she does, but I cannot. I don't know if I know that for certain. Interesting. I know it's very helpful in very free post Cecil Taylor music. I think sometimes it's very hard for people learning you know, the Stevie Wonder uh, standards or George Gershwin pieces. It's very hard to think modulating in different keys and transposing, but Gina Lee has that spectacular ear. What she does in our piece, Laura, she keeps the whole mood. She's hearing the chords. Later as a sound point with David Hazelton, other musicians, she rather half speak and uh, do other things with her remarkable voice. Marvellous is her version of Sophisticated Lady on the Archie Shep record, Blase. You hear Jean at her best with Freedom, but also the nuance of Ellington.
0: I know your first record together quite well, the newest sound around, which was uh, 1962, I believe. But then I discovered more recently the later record, 1989. He I was, you Stepped Out of a Cloud? Yeah, which I've only from, just from discovered. From France. Yeah, which is yep. absolutely beautiful. And it feels, although it's still recognisable as that same duo, it definitely feels like you've somehow grown as people, I think, grown as musicians.
1: And one number particularly is uh, Alone Together. It's a nice enough take, but uh, we made the wrong mistake Jean Jacques Poussio still has a more daring version of Alone Together, and I wish I could find it or be more in contact with him. And then Aaron Hartley, who I mentioned earlier, has brought out uh, a double record.
0: Is that the the newest sound you've never heard? Is that the.
1: Yes, with liner notes by Dominic Ede, a great singer, and Danilo Perez, who you may know from Wayne Shorter.
0: Are those recordings from a later period than
1: the earlier? No, they f- are from 67. They're later than the newest sounds around. They were discovered by uh, a former student, Eli Kessler, and he happened to be going to Belgium, going to BRT, both the French and the Flemish studios, and found these recordings from Conscious we did. And then Aaron did all the work, putting these together, of deciding the sequence. It was important that we know that there was music, but really, we wouldn't have had this uh, release without the dedication of Aaron. It's been a hard day's night. And I've been working like a dog, it's been a hard this night. I should be sleeping like a log, but when I get home to you, I find the things that you do will make me feel alright. You know I work all day to get you money, to buy you things. And it's worth it just to hear you say, you're going to give me everything because so I'm when I get you alone, it's gonna be okay. That would have been three or four years after the initial recording that you know well. And then there was one recording I think released in Sweden where we sing Beatles pieces and there are three or four solos at the end piano uh, for Dr. Shell Samuelson of uh, Stockholm. I, I thought Jean and I would make records throughout the early 2000 period, but alas, so, so it's been wonderful connecting with Sarah Serpa from Portugal and a fantastic singer from Mumbai, Christine Correa. Have you heard of her? Only through your work. And she's uh, related to Frank Carlberg, who has an album out of Monk, they're really recording amazing music from New York.
0: It says somewhere online that you've studied with some amazing people, but a few people caught my eye and I just wanted to ask maybe if any of those if you've got any words about what it was like to spend time with these individuals or if any of them stick out.
1: Well, some were critical, some were very even the ones that really seemed enthusiastic knew I needed a lot of work. Okay. Gunther hugged me three times a life or maybe four. But he would, and he would take, say, Rand, take a month off, get to know Manhattan, go to clubs. But boy, he knew how to pile, work on. And at the beginning, I didn't always do it. And his wrath was something to, but there were people, I had a couple of hits with Tristano who really didn't like me. And he had moved to Long Island. It was very difficult going there. Kenton, I only played for him once. He really did not like it. And then there were people that were much more endorseful, like Oscar Peterson and Bill Evans. But some of these people, I only might have seven or eight lessons with. Mary Lou Williams was another person. There were fields of a Brother Hugh Riddick from Harlan Gospel Piano and Mildred Falls. I don't know if you've heard of her. No. no. Uh, F-A-L-L-S, Mildred Falls, who works with Mahalia Jackson. They have an album live in Europe. Elijah Rock, she's a bedrock. You don't go to her for Thelonious Monk Harmony. You go for the beat, the drive. Marvelous teacher. So I wanted to really synthesize. To me, education is so important. Of course, I wanted to be heard, recognized. I still do. I bore Aaron with but... It's so important to listen to each other, also what you hear in your youth. Purely because
0: he's one of my favourite musicians of all time, can you tell me a little bit more about what Bill Evans was like to be around, what it was like to study with him?
1: It was wonderful. I had him for three to four weeks at this Lennox School of Jazz in Western Massachusetts. I would play for him. I wish, I wish I'd kept notebooks I didn't even do that with Gunther until the very last few years. I insist on this on students. Bill Evans would tell me how to include the register of the piano, how to uh, use repetition in a very matter, to uh, get rhythmical drive at a fairly slow tempo, and uh, to don't only get impressionism from himself and the jazz writers like the wonderful Bill Russo, but to go back to France. And of course I flip over Olivier Messiaen and there's enough in his, one of his first masterpieces, Quartet for the End of Time. You could just spend your whole life on that. Uh, The Dance of the Fury, is so demanding, but it's so perfect. Oscar Peterson, again, that was two lessons at Linux. And then when I was working at Atlantic, he came there and gave me, I didn't even pay uh, three lessons. I flipped when on the second lesson, he imitated me. He didn't do anything. He He didn't have any pro, Viral techniques, anything he played. I know I have my own techniques with sounds, but he, with the velocity, he didn't play any, it, it, but it hung together. I said how much I admired him. He said he, how much he admired me. I think that was a polite answer. I'm not sure, of that, but he he broke things down to the fundamental. Yes, he did like scale licks. He didn't realize. The uh, danger of patterns. And he admitted that sometimes he would use people do, and but the fact that he would come out of his own free will to see me and Mary Lou, because really, either my music was ignored or made fun of. It really, I had no at Bard College for four years, except for Jean Lee. I can think of two other students that liked me, Carol Mosher, and a French guy, Henri and two or three faculty like me. I put on festivals. I put on concerts. They thought I had talent. They they didn't always knock me, but the students just it was really uh, more ignoring. <laughs>
0: we just touch quickly on your own music? Because you have written a a large number of works and some really beautiful and unusual, extremely unique pieces.
1: Are there any ones you'd like to ask about?
0: I know the famous ones, at least the ones I've heard many times, Vanguard, Short Life of Barbara Monk, Uh ones that I've just discovered on that album, which I really like. Pourquoi Laurent is beautiful.
1: I do think it's a fine piece, I'll admit. It's dedicated to Laurent Godard, who uh, committed suicide. That happens The Music Course Francis Poudras. You may have read his writing on Bud Powell. He committed suicide, too. And Laurent, I only really knew once two, one or two visits to France. He presented me at Nouvelle Carre, and along with Michael Smith, Andrew Hill, uh, other places and it became such a shock to know that he had died
0: could you talk about a little bit about how you go about writing Do pieces do do ideas come to you and you just play them or do you have a do you have a more systematic approach to actually getting ideas down
1: once in a while i am systematic in the morning i did compose two three years ago a, a piece that i started to call beatrice for beatrice hartley uh Beloved cat, but I, I know it's been taped. But I've, I guess I'm performing so little even before COVID, and I'm just so intrigued by standards. Oh, there's so much of, of Stevie Wonder, Bud Powell, all the singers I love that almost interests me more. Ellington wrote many suites at the end of his life. I don't know if he kept up with melodies. I know he did satin Doll" in the mid, late 50s. So it can happen like late at night. I'm not very good at using cell, but I, I sometimes come and I'm on something. I try to jot an idea down. If I'm disciplined enough in the daylight, I, I risk to go to the piano, try to retrieve it. It can become a composition, but there's so many I've written in life, that are not, I mean, I'd like people to hear them like Horace is Blue for Horace Silver. He was rather lukewarm about the piece. I guess it was a little more somber than the high jaunty Horace Silver Blues. What a great guy he was. And there's a ballad called Wendy, and there are a couple of more fun pieces. And my French album, Wendy, has a lot of that. and. An album called All That Is Tied. The title track is by a wonderful composer, Jonah Kraut, from Nashville. But there, there are albums that feature my music, but I just love the repertoire of so many other people. It really nourishes me.
0: Me too. Thank you. Just one last question. If you were to give a piece of advice to the current generation of emerging musicians and artists, what would you say to them? What would be the most useful thing that you have learned or used in your own career and music? Listen,
1: not practice, not go and get gigs. Great, thank you. Thank you for your interest in me. It's
0: always a pleasure, Ron. I'm so glad to have been able to spend uh, an hour or so talking to you, but your wonderful life and music and attitude and everything. It's been a tremendous pleasure. If people don't know Ran's writing, or Ran's music, or Ran's educational work, go and find him online, listen to some music, uh, read his books, go see his students, all of that stuff. He's still playing online. This is really worth your time. You-
1: out of a
0: dream
1: you are too wonderful to be what you Turquoise Coconut is a UK-based independent record label. For information about releases, videos,
0: collaborations and more, head to turquoisecoconut.com or find us on Facebook.
1: Turquoise Coconut. New music for curious ears.